It's encouraging to me. I see young people learning to play instruments and wanting to use them for the Lord. It's a blessing. We're going to be in 1 Timothy this evening, if you'd be finding that. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This morning, um, we dealt with the subject of servant leaders and how Jesus taught his disciples that his leadership model was different than the world's. We couldn't use the pattern of the world to see how he wants leaders to be because he wants leaders in his kingdom to be servants. The greater um, responsibility they have, the more expected of them to be servants. And I'm going to have another lesson or two on that subject at some point in time. But I'm also going to teach a couple of lessons on the pastor and uh, deacons because, you know, these are servants in the church. And I was looking at some notes of mine. I think the last time I taught, preached a message on the pastor was in 1986. And so it's been a while ago. And uh, so... I want to look at it because I believe if we're talking about leadership in the church, then we ought to think about pastoral leadership. We also ought to think about deacons. We don't have any deacons at this time, but I'm, I've got it on the radar. I'd like to ask the church to consider ordaining a couple of deacons. And so we're going to look at that subject as well. So I hope you'll take, uh, take heed to this. I think it's, this is sort of like a doctrinal a Bible study about the position of the pastor and we're going to talk about the position of the pastor, and we're going to talk about the responsibility of the pastor. And um, just give you a heads up. I don't want you to judge me. I'm your pastor. I don't want you to judge me by what a pastor is supposed to be, but just keep it in mind so whenever I'm gone one of these days, you can expect the next pastor to be what the Bible says he ought to be. But um, we're going to... Uh, we're, so we're going to look about the, 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 the titles that define the pastor's uh, identity and responsibility. It's a great, it's a great study. It's a New Testament doctrine, and um, I hope you'll find it helpful. We're going to read beginning in verse 1. Let's stand together if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to go ahead and read through, even though we're not going to deal with the majority of this text tonight, I'm going to go ahead and read through um, the first seven verses. Verse 1, the Bible says, This is a true saying... Keep in mind who's writing, Paul is writing, who's writing to, he's writing to uh, his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy himself was a pastor. Um, you know, if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, for instance, uh, he says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. We often refer to these books, First and Second Timothy, Titus, as pastoral uh, epistles. They're written, written really uh, not just for pastors, but to help churches and pastors get divine instruction on, on uh, that know how to behave. It says in this past in this epistle in the house of God. And that doesn't mean not running in church. It means how the church ought to function. So, so Timothy himself was a pastor. 
Let's go back to verse 1 where it started, chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the preservation of the inspired word of God, that we can have the very words of God to read, to study. Father, we come before you thanking you for your word and taking your word seriously. That, Father, we're not left to our own imaginations, not to our own preferences or ideas, but we have the very words of God to study, to learn, to apply. And I pray that you'd help us tonight as your children as we study the word of God to grow in grace and, Father, to receive with meekness this engrafted word and that it might work in us, that it might accomplish the purpose you sent it forth to accomplish. We'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You might wonder, you know, if we're going to talk about the pastor, why we chose a section that deals with the bishop. And, the, and so the first thing we're going to talk about, because it just has to be explained, has to be understood. Most people here would know this, but some may not. But we're just going to look at the titles in the Bible that relate to the office of the pastor. And here's the first one. It says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, if a man desires to be a pastor, he ought to have his head examined. Now, if, if, if a man desires the office of a, past, a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, I'm going to mention some Greek words, not because I'm trying to impress or anything, but the translation here really matters. The word bishop comes from a, uh, the Greek word, I would pronounce it es- episcopi, and it's And it means oversight or inspection. You say, how do you know that? Well, for one reason, sometimes the word bishop is translated as overseer. That's what a bishop is. He's a a superintendent. He's a supervisor. He's an overseer. And so he refers twice here, verse 1 and verse 2, to the bishop. And and these words describe the, the work and the character in these verses of the pastor. Now we're going to look at more than one passage and we'll come back and forth a little bit. So we see what 1 Timothy says. Now go, if you would, to the right, just about four or five pages to the book of Titus. And this is another epistle of Paul, another one of the what we call pastoral epistles. You'll you'll see the similarities here. Um, He's writing, and we're in Titus chapter 1, Verse 4, he says, To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, an endear 
relationship that Paul has with Titus. Notice in verse 5 it says, For this cause left I thee in Crete. That sounds really similar to what we read in uh, 1 Timothy 1 when Paul said, I, buy, I want you to abide still at Ephesus for this reason. He's saying to Titus, I want you to remain here in Crete. For this cause left I thee here in Crete. In case you're not aware of it, Crete is an island. It's a large island, one of the larger islands in the Mediterranean Sea. It's like 160 miles long. And in, in, in the day that Paul wrote this, in the first century, the main city in Crete had as, perhaps as many as 300,000 people. This is a large city on this island. It's a large island. And uh, now probably six, uh, 650 or so thousand people in Crete. So, so he says, look what he says here in Titus uh, chapter 1 verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. Titus, there are things on the island in these churches and these communities that are lacking. They're left undone. I, I, I want you to set in order the things that are wanting and notice this, ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So here, I want you to notice the word elders, ordain elders. Now let's look at the qualifications of an elder. Verse 6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a what? Bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Now just reading that casually, you notice something that's really important. That the words elder and bishop are used interchangeably. Now we're not making that up. He said there in verse 5, I want you to ordain elders in every city. Verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless. So these two terms describe the same position. An elder and a bishop. Now, in some religious circles, you know, you have bishops that are over pastors or bishops that are over priests and whatever, but we go about what the Bible says. And in the Bible, they're taught, these two positions are talking about the same, or these two titles, are the same position. And I just, want you, I just want to really get this clear in your minds before we go to anything else. Now, let's go to another example. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. And we're, we're just noticing various titles that are used um, about the office of bishop or pastor. Now Paul here is about to have a meeting with a group of men in Acts chapter 20. And let's, let's recognize who he's going to meet with. Look in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. And it says, And from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So you might underline the word elders. We just want to make note of that. There's a group of people that are coming and they are the elders. Now I want to say this. The word elder is sometimes used in the Bible as someone who is a senior, someone who's up in years. They're respected because they're older. They're considered elders. But sometimes it's talking about official position. And this is not talking about just older people. It's not talking about the senior citizens group. It's talking about 
the people who serve as elders in verse 17. Now, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at all of these details, so get, skip down with me, if you would, to verse 28. Here's the message, here's a part of the message that Paul has for the elders. And notice what it says. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Take, take, make sure you're taking care of your own spiritual life. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That word overseer is direct translation, like the other, of the bishop. So he's, it's their responsibilities, overseers. They're like the bishop. To feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. So let's just, let's just see what we have in that one verse, verse 17, and then this verse 28. We have the, he's talking to the elders. He refers to them as overseers, the episcopos, the bishops. You're the overseers of the church. And then he uses two words that we've just been introduced to to describe what they do. And one of those words in verse 28 is flock. Take heed to all the flock. Now that's a, that's a totally different area of responsibility or description of responsibility. The flock, and then he says to feed. And that word feed and the word flock are two different words that, that are similar as the word shepherd. And that's what a shepherd does. You know the word pastor, we refer most, mostly to the person that serves in a church as a pastor, as the pastor, which is very good, it's a Bible term. But the word pastor is only found one time in the New Testament. And, but the word overseer or bishop is found numerous times, and the word elders is actually found more than that. Sometimes when I'm calling a pastor friend, I'll, he answers the phone, I said, is bishop so-and-so there? And, and that is, that's a Bible term for the pastor. Now, in, in our culture, in our country, in the world, bishops are looking at, looked at differently. So here we have, in this, these, this, this group of elders, in this inspired writing, the Word of God, it refers to their response, their identity as elders. It refers to their idea, identity as bishops or overseers. And it refers to their responsibility as as shepherds. Matter of fact, the, the, word, the word shepherd is found many times in the New Testament, and the Greek word that's translated shepherd is almost identical to the word that's translated as feed and the translated as flock. It has to do with shepherding. Um, I'm going to mention this again later, but just out of curiosity today, I just I looked up at, a, at a dictionary, a modern dictionary. And for the definition of the word pastoral, when I think of pastoral work, I think of people in the church. But the primary definition of pastoral in a modern dictionary is this, relating, related to keeping and grazing sheep or cattle. That's the most common definition of pastoral. As a matter of fact, then I went to my trusty 1827 dictionary uh, definitions of words, Noah Webster's dictionary. And the word pastoral is defined as descriptive of the life of shepherds. 
So all that tells us that when he's talking about feeding the flock and stuff, he's talking about the pastoral work. He's talking about shepherds and the work of shepherds. So here we have three different titles about the same people. Elders, bishops, and shepherds. Do you see that? All these, I'll give you one other example. Go to 1 Peter, if you would. Go back further in the New Testament to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, we're just going to look in chapter 5. And, of course, Peter himself, one of the 12 apostles, but also a pastor, is writing this epistle, and he's, and he's going to address pastors in chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. So he's writing to the elders, and he himself is an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now notice what he says to the elders. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. That's that shepherd, pastoral work. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. That's the word bishop, overseer. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. A shepherd being an ensample to the flock. And the word Example and ensample sound a lot alike, but they're really different. An, an ensample means like a pattern, something that can be duplicated. Then in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd, he's talking to these shepherds, verse 2, feed the flock. And when the chief shepherd, capital S, talking about Jesus, shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not Away. So here again, in one passage, we see the elders, we see the shepherd, we see the bishop, the overseer. So all three of these titles, I, and it was an amazing thing when I first recognized this in my personal study many years ago, that all three of these titles clearly describe the same position. And, the, and you say, well, why then, why would he use these three titles for the same position and it's because those titles are descriptive of the responsibility of what a pastor, an elder, a bishop is to give his life to doing. Now, I hope we didn't go through that too quickly because I want you just to see it. It's just very, very clear. And if, you're, if you need to meditate on it, write those verses down. Go back to it. Think about it. So those are the titles that relate to the pastor. If you were to call a pastor an elder... Uh, you would be correct. If you were to call a pastor a bishop, you would be correct. If you would call a pastor a pastor or a shepherd, you would be correct. If you would call them elder, bishop, pastor, you'd be accurate. So, so that's the pastor. Now, let's look at those three titles. That's really all I want to do tonight is look at those three titles and just... Observe the responsibility that those, two, those titles 
describe. Let's start with the first one we saw, and that's bishop. The word bishop describes oversight, an overseer. Let me give you a real technical definition or explanation. An overseer is someone who sees over. Isn't that good? An overseer, that means that they're, they, they, they observe, they're aware, they're watching to see what's going on. That's, the, that's one of the responsibilities of the pastor, the bishop. Should a pastor be concerned uh, if someone in the church attends just occasionally or sporadically? Should the pastor be concerned about it? Absolutely. You know why? He's the overseer. He's not a micromanager. He's not a dictator. He's an overseer. He's observing. He's watching and seeing. And from my perspective, sometimes you can see people that you notice we're good Baptists. That means we always sit in the same place generally or the same neighborhood in our chair. So you notice when people aren't there. Or you may notice when someone's there and they sleep all the time. Or you may notice where somebody's there and they're not really focused and you can tell you don't really have their attention. You say, you're just being judgmental. No, it's just being an overseer. An overseer watches over things. If a, should a pastor be in, in concerned if, if people come to church for 10, 20 years, never show any evidence of spiritual growth, never involved in any ministry, never show signs of being maturing? A pastor, that's not being judgmental. That's his job. His responsibility is to be an overseer. Uh, in, some, in some Bible dictionaries, that word bishop is also defined as supervision or a supervisor. Again, that doesn't mean that he micromanages everything. We have, you know, I, there are people sitting here tonight listening to me that could attest to this. Justin Hoke sitting here, he goes, uh, to, went to the nursing homes today. I don't micromanage what goes on in the nursing homes. I like to know what's going on. I like to know if there's a problem there, if there's something I can do to help. You know what I'm saying? I don't micromanage people, but, but it's my responsibility to have some awareness of what's going on. That doesn't mean the pastor leads in every ministry. The pastor can't do that, shouldn't do that. He's not called to do that. Um, you know, we, we have three nursing home services today, and I didn't go to any of them. But people went who are competent, they, they're serious about the work, and that's the way it ought to be. I, we, we're not in jails normally, but uh, normally we're in three different uh, institutions on a regular basis. I don't go, I can go, sometimes I have gone. I used to go regular. I used to go every week in the jail ministry. We had other people now that are doing that. So I don't, that doesn't mean, a supervisor doesn't mean you do everything. It just means you try to keep your finger on the pulse of what is going on. And, uh, and by the way, we may turn to this in a moment, but one of the ways it describes uh, the pastor and how we're to respond to the pastor is and what he does, it says he, he watches for your souls. He's watching out for your spiritual welfare. That's the job of a pastor. He's not, and sometimes we get as pastors so wrapped up in administrative things that we, maybe we miss on some of that. But I'm just telling you, this is what, how God designed the office of a pastor. He oversees the work of God. And I am very thankful tonight. I've been, of course, preparing this message and thinking about it. But I'm just exceedingly grateful for the pastors that my wife and I have had in our life. 
especially since we've been adults, since we got saved. But even, even before we were saved, we went to a, a Central Baptist Church up on Haymarket Road in Seagoville, Texas, and Jimmy Ritchie was our pastor. And he, I just remember him so well. He was a faithful pastor. He got me under conviction, you know, because he preached the Word of God. And Brother Ralph Gossett, who Mrs. Murray and, and uh, Terry are here, they attended the church that we attended in Mesquite, Texas, before we moved here. And he was such, he never got into my business privately, but he got into my business publicly lots of times. He preached the word of God, I'm telling you. He, and I, I'll tell you, I'd get so under conviction, but God would work in my heart. And of course, some of you wouldn't know this, but Mrs. Murray's husband, who went to be with the Lord a year ago, I guess, February, and uh, he was our pastor here for four and a half years. Same thing. I just thank God for the... Now, he would get in my business because <laughs> I was on, his, on the staff and uh, she would help cover for me sometimes. He, she had sympathy for me and I'm grateful for that. I'll always be thankful for that. But um, she remembers a lot of stuff that happened back then that I've forgotten and actually, in case you ever get in a conversation with Mrs. Murray, she remembers a lot of things that never did happen. So don't believe everything she says. <laughs> but I'm thankful for pastors who preached the Word of God to me. And through the Word of God, I was able to grow and see things. And, and God would work in my life. So I'm thankful. And, um, you know, sometimes pastors get a kind of a bad rap. And there's obviously been men in the ministries that weren't, really shouldn't have been in the ministry, and we all understand that, but a pastor is a, an overseer. The second word we're going to talk about a little bit is the pastor is an elder. And as I mentioned earlier, this word is sometimes talking about just older people. I'm going to give you an example of that just so you see that. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, in verse 1 and... Verse 2, it says, rebuke, 1 Timothy 5, 1. Rebuke not an elder. Now, just if you stop right there, you wouldn't know if that's talking about an older person or a person in pastoral ministry. But you read on and it explains itself. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren. So we, we see clearly he's talking about age, age group. Older people, younger people. Treat... Older people like you treat your father and younger people like they were brethren. The older or elder women as mothers. The younger as sisters with all purity. So that, that, that word elder there, when you're reading the Bible, often the context will explain, define what the word means. But having said that, just move across a little further in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and look in verse 17. Same chapter, 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now this is not talking about just older people. These are ruling elders in the church, leaders in the church, if you would, 
that should receive double honor because they labor in the word and doctrine. We can see by reading that this elder here is not just talking about older people. It's talking about people in the position of an elder. And I, I hope you take these things to heart and just think about them. We, we want to have a biblical understanding of the pastoral ministry and the, why God gave them these different titles. So an elder is, we could call it a spiritual leader. He ought to be, he ought to be mature. He ought to be a, like a guide or a counselor, someone you could rely upon for uh, trustworthy uh, counsel. And here it's talking about, in verse 17, 1 Timothy 5, 17, it said, they, they that rule. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not tampering with the Bible. I believe that we, the Bible we have before us is the very word of God. But the word rule doesn't always mean to rule like a tyrant, to rule like a dictator. There, the word is not meaning, when it says rule, that the elders that rule well, it's talking about they preside over, they guide, they're, they're leaders. Let the elders that rule well. And it also says that they labor in the word and doctrine. By the way, that ought to be one of the primary responsibilities of a pastor is to study the word of God. You know, in that passage in Acts uh, where the first deacons were ordained, we, they aren't called deacons there in Acts chapter 6, but we call them deacons. It was the defined, I think it described the work of a deacon. But it says, that he, Paul, or the Bible says, the apostle said, it's not meet for us to leave the word of God to take care of these issues that need to be helped among the people of the church, that we may give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That ought to be the, one of the primary responsibilities of the pastor to, um, you know, to labor in the word and doctrine. I was Noticing today, I don't know how many of y'all get our daily devotion that our church sends out, but the, the straight paths devotion that came into my email today was about uh, this subject. It's kind of uh, interesting. Um, but here's what the, the, the passage was from Hebrews 13 that was in today's devotion. It, it, the language is similar here to 1 Timothy 5. Obey them that have the rule over you. And again, that doesn't mean you're ruling over someone with a, like a tyrant. It just means they have responsibility for you spiritually. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. They're watching out for your spiritual well-being. And that's the way it should be. As they that must give an account, they're going to give an account, these these pastors, elders, they're going to give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So the word rule is more about leading than dominating. It's not about controlling. But their responsibility is as an overseer and as a shepherd, they watch for your souls. And, you know, if you, have, if you ever have a situation in your life personally where a pastor comes to you and says, you know, are you, is there something I can help you with? Is there something you're struggling with? I noticed something, this, I'm just, could I help you with this? You know, don't, don't be offended by that. If he's a real pastor, he cares about you. He cares about your welfare. He cares, he cares not trying to run your life. He just cares about your spiritual well-being. I've, I've found this to be true more than a handful of times in my ministry here where I would be, 
try to get a hold of someone, say, let's get together, and they don't have time, let's get together, they don't, let's get together. And it's like, I'm just wanting to try to help them, and yet they don't even want to connect. I'm just, say, I'm just saying, I, we're not, I'm not trying to control anybody, and this is not an issue now. I'm just telling you what a, you ought to thank God. You know, just like you have a parent that watches out for you and helps, you ought to thank God for that if you're a young person and your parents are involved in your life and caring about your your spiritual condition. And that's what a church, by the way, that's one of the reasons why church is so important. Is that we're not just um, mavericks or sort of uh, on our own. We're a part of a community of believers. We belong to each other. The language is so graphic. We're members of the same body. And therefore, we're engaged in one another's life. You can't, you, you could, you could, you know, try to isolate yourself from the rest of the body, but it's not healthy. You know, you take any part of my, any member of my body, take that thumb or that little finger and cut it off and lay it there by itself, it's not going to be good. Whatever the outcome is not going to be good. You know why? Because it, it needs to be attached to the body. And so I'm glad we have people. And by the way, you don't have to be a pastor to go to someone and say, could I help you with something? Paul, writing to the churches of Galatia, said that if you see someone overtaken by a fault, you, which are spiritual, go to such a one in the spirit of meekness to see if you can restore that. You don't, teenager, if you saw another teenager that you thought was struggling or dabbling with stuff that was not good for them, you have not only the right, you have the responsibility to go to that young person and say, look, I care about you. Let's pray about this. Let's talk about this. Is this really the best path? But you know what? Sometimes we don't want to do that. We don't want to be involved, but, I, but we ought to be. And a Sunday school teacher, I'm kind of getting off my focus a little bit, but a Sunday school teacher, has every, has, they're kind of a, an extension of the pastor's ministry. They ought to be asking, you know, we missed you Sunday. You hadn't been here in a couple of weeks. We're here to see if we can help you. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not being nosy. That's being concerned and caring. So what is a pastor? He is an overseer. He is an elder, which means uh, he should be mature and he should be like a, a guide, a leader, a spiritual leader. And the third word is the word pastor. That's the word that we use most often, and I like it. And uh, because it defines part of the pastoral responsibility. The pastor is to shepherd the flock. And that means he's to lead them. He's not only to lead them, he's to care for them. He's to protect them. He's trying to protect them from false doctrine. He tries to protect them from some trends and fashions that are really harmful spiritually. It's not that he's trying to rule your life. He's a shepherd. What kind of a shepherd would you, you know, what kind of, just come to my mind, I'm thinking about in the Old Testament, when some of those prophets were called, they, they referred to as, they weren't really prophets, they were hirelings. And he's called, the Bible, Jeremiah called them dumb dogs that won't even bark. That's, that's, that's the Bible terminology, dumb dogs. Dumb not because they don't have any intellect, dumb because they won't bark. You know, they won't, and, and so if you've got a pastor that barks every once in a while, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so they're to care for the sheep. The shepherd cares for the flock. I'm not going to read 
John chapter 10, but that's a wonderful passage in John chapter 10 where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A hireling, I'm just paraphrasing, a hireling will run when the wolves come because he's a hireling. It's just a job for him. If the wolves are coming, I'm going to run and I'll find another job somewhere else. But the shepherd is not going to do that because he has the heart of a shepherd. So the pastor is a shepherd. Uh, Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we read this a moment ago, but this is where Peter refers to the elders in chapter 1 and the responsibility of shepherding or feeding the flock in chapter 2. And I should know this, but I don't know why. I don't know why the terms in most circles, uh, in most circles, the term pastor is most frequently used, but I like it. I'm glad because it's very descriptive. Feed the flock of God which is among you and uh, refers to them in verse 3 as God's heritage. So the pastor is to feed the flock. And, and the primary source of food is the Word of God. Amen. It's not opinions. It's not pet peeves. I like to preach my pet peeves, but that's not feeding the flock. Maybe feeding me. <laughs> but it's not feeding... You, know, you know what sheep... When sheep come... Now, I've never raised sheep. I've been around sheep a little. I like to watch sheep, but I've never raised sheep. But I've been around livestock a lot in my youth both of my grandparents raised cattle and had horses and so I've been around livestock and you feed I can just see myself now out with my grandfather and taking bales of hay and feeding the flock what are you doing you're giving them nutrition you're giving them food and by the way there's more than one reason to come to church we ought to come to church because the Lord commands it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He commands it. We ought to come to church because there is something special about corporate worship. We worship the Lord together. We ought to come to the church because of fellowship. Iron sharpeneth iron. We ought to come to the church because of accountability. Because we can be a part of each other's life. We ought, but also we come to church to, for, to get into the Bible. To get into the scripture and see what the Bible has to say. And so the pastor is to feed the flock. He's the shepherd of the flock. And by the way, the pastor needs to be feeding himself some too spiritually if he's going to feed the flock. And Jesus, of course, we see this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. He's the chief shepherd. He's the he ultimate. People say, well, I don't need a church. Jesus is my shepherd. But this language is clear. I mean, go to the Bible Jesus is the chief shepherd, and, but we also have under-shepherds. And the under-shepherd is not a term found in the Bible, but that's really what a pastor is. He shepherds the flock under the chief shepherd. And um, so pastors are to spiritually give the flock the word of God. Protect the flock. Protect them from predators. Um... Have you ever known someone who had livestock and they got a a donkey and put him in the pasture with them because the donkey will keep keep the predators out of the 
barnyard. It's a reality. So the pastor helps keep the predators, keep out false doctrine. And anybody that's been around here very long would know this. And by the way, for those of your guests, I've been pastor for 40 years this year. So I've been around here a little while. I started pastoring when I was 11. <laughs> so, um, so I don't get into people's business about what they believe. But if I hear someone's teaching something that's contrary to Scripture, I'm going to go to them. I'm not going to rail on them, but I'm going to say, hey, let's talk about this. You know what? Because that's the, that's the pastor's job, to visit people. I mean... Um, I'm not, people in our church care about people. I know I'm, I mean, I'm talking about our people do. People have asked me about Rita today. I know they care about people that are in our church, their burden, concern for them. But the pastor's the same way, to counsel people when they're struggling and, and offer to help people, give people advice. And a big part of that, part of that is studying and preparing messages from the Word of God. You'd think, well, man, after 40 years, you still need to study? Sure I do. We're commanded to study. And we need the Word of God. It feeds us. Now that's not the only thing pastors do. Sometimes pastors fix toilets. Sometimes pastors paint walls. Sometimes pastors, uh, we, t this week we worked on fixing some exit lights, me and Dave. And uh, so pastors do a lot of things. Sometimes they spray weeds that are on the parking lot. And sometimes they weed eat. And sometimes... Sometimes they do other things. But those things are not their primary calling. Their primary calling has to do with ministering to people and counseling people and studying the Bible and teaching the Bible and preaching the Word of God. And those, those things are encompassed in this, these three titles, an overseer, an elder, and a pastor. And I, I thank, I'm thankful to the Lord that he's allowed us to be here as long as we've been here, you know. To watch, it's, a, it's a real privilege to watch people who are children in the church have children, have children in the church and even have grandchildren in the church. That's a great privilege. I mean, a lot of people don't get to experience that, and I'm thankful for that. And, um, but, you know, I don't take my positions. I'm not careless about my position. I take it very seriously, and I say this in all Honesty and humility. I personally think, maybe I'm a little uh, um, not being objective about this because of my position, but I don't know of any position in the world that's, that's more significant than the, to be responsible to lead God's people. And teach God's people. That's a pretty serious responsibility. I think it ought to be taken seriously. And, and it's not about our personality. It's not about charisma. It's not about a winsome ability. It's not about even being an orator. It's not about um, trying to impress people. It's not about being an entertainer. It's about preaching and teaching the Word of God. That's, isn't that a great privilege that God would let us do that with our life? I'm, 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 and there are people in our church that God is preparing and training who believe like God wants them to be in the ministry somewhere in some other capacity, maybe pastoring, maybe missionary, whatever, maybe just serving here in the church, whatever it is. 
But that is a, that is a high calling. We're going to talk next time. The next lesson is about the calling uh, to the pastoral ministry, the ministry in general, the calling, but also the characteristics. And we see that in 1 Timothy 3, all that list of things, you know, where you can't do this, be this, not a railer, you know. So when I rail, I have to do it in private. No, we're not railers. And, uh, and so there are qualifications and characteristics that go along with that. And I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I've planned initially to do that tonight, but I just thought this is not going to work. There's too much to cover. So this is just kind of the first lesson, and we'll have another lesson that deals with that. And this is kind of a different deal, but I'm really at the heart of this is the whole matter of servant leadership. That's the heart of it. Every, God does not want everybody to be a pastor, but God wants everyone to be in the ministry of serving people, helping people, right? Being a blessing in everybody, everyone. And um, so this is kind of part, I just feel to me it kind of fits in with that. We'll cover this for a couple of weeks, then we're going to cover um, the deacon, that what a biblical deacon is. And there needs to be teaching about that as well. For some reason, I'm just very, very thankful today to be able to be in church, to be with God's people. Um, and I'd say that because sometimes we take it for granted, getting to sit here on a Sunday night to sing together and fellowship together and and get into the Bible together. I'm glad that we, as a church, I'm glad that, and this is not just us, this ought to be true of every true church, that the Bible is the final authority for our life. The Bible is the source of our wisdom. The Bible is where we look to for direction and guidance, and, and, and we ought to thank God that we're in a church that does that. And it's not because of me, it's because of the church. It's what we, that's what every church ought to be. Let's get in the book. Let's spend some time in the Word of God. See what the Bible says. Let's bow our heads together, all right? With our heads bowed this evening. Let's let's truly just appreciate the Bible, the Word of God. And the privilege that we have as God's people to follow the Word of God, follow the teaching of the Word of God. And I, I would like to think tonight that maybe there maybe just young people, but maybe adults as well that are here, and, and maybe you never really connected the dots between the elder and the bishop and the shepherd, the pastor. Maybe you've kind of been unsure about that. I hope maybe it's clearer for you from the Word of God. The titles, the responsibilities of pastoral ministry. Our Father, as we pray this evening, I just thank you uh, tonight that we can gather together to worship you, to sing praises to you. Lord, to be blessed with this uh, the instrumental special tonight, and, and then to get into the Bible together. It's just a blessing to be here, and I thank you for every person that's here. Father, we pray tonight that 
By the grace of God, we just always individually and as a family, Lord, uh, take your word seriously and grow in grace. Apply the word of God to our life. And I just pray for that. I pray for those maybe here tonight, maybe they're young men here tonight that you want to call out to some area of ministry and I just pray that you would make that so clear to them and to the church and I pray that we would have a desire whether that be your calling or not we'd have a desire to live not by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God.